Hello, and welcome to the Heartland Teaching Podcast, sponsored by the UMKC Regional Professional Development Center at Union Station. Our mission is to bring educators together for meaningful conversations about the challenges and successes of teachers in the Heartland. So sit back and relax and enjoy our show. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm here with Kat Nicklaus, and she is one of uh, the RPDC's Kansas City Consultants for District Continuous Improvement. And she's here today to talk to us about 10 tips to help teachers prepare for the next year. So Kat, I, I, this is an outstanding topic right now, especially since there's so much up in the air for next year, both in Kansas and in Missouri. Um, teachers don't know what's going on. School districts don't know what's going on. Students don't know. Parents don't know. So um, give, us, give us your tips today uh, for helping prepare for next year. Okay, so I have been thinking about this quite a bit, and I feel like for this year, routines are pretty much in place. Teachers may be happy or unhappy about those routines, but at least they're in place. But now our focus goes to August and what's going to happen. So, and we, none of us know. I mean, it's all being thought through and figured out. So in the meantime, um, what can you do to get yourself ready And I think the very first thing is once school does dismiss, whenever that is, give yourself a break. I mean, just take some time off. Try to take your mind off school for a little while. Even though you feel the weight of that work ahead of you, you need to give yourself some time to back off and recharge. Um, You were thrown into this new school landscape with no time to prepare. And you rose to the challenge, but now rest your mind. Focus on something that brings you joy, something other than teaching. And uh, time away from those that thinking is going to give you um, a new perspective. And it's going to help you to build your personal resources for what you have to come. Yeah, so I that that's would, good. Yeah, that's a good, good suggestion for folks because... They probably haven't even had enough time to kind of sit back with their family and just just take care of things with the family, have they? Exactly. I mean, I think a lot of teachers lost their spring break because this kind of happened right around spring break time. And they were thrown into a flurry of activity during that time. And it's just been go, go, go. So mm-hmm. you really just need to give your body and your mind a break from it for a little while. Mm-hmm. So I see your second one here is something about next school year. So when, what, yeah, tell me about that. How are they getting ready for next school year? So getting into next school year, I think the first thing to do is just like psych yourself because I just have this feeling that it, it has every possibility of being a roller coaster. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't know how it's going to start. It may be starting with um, reduced class sizes that are meeting in small groups on alternate days, or, I mean, there's just been all kinds of ideas thrown out about how it might happen. Um, personally, I've thought about how do you social distance five-year-olds? I just don't know how you can do that. And, (laughs) um, I, good luck. Um, it's, somebody's going to figure something out. But it may turn out that we go through some cycles next year. We may have some time in classrooms, and then we may have some times again like this um, to um, bring people, bring the numbers back down again until, you, you know, things are figured out scientifically that can help us get, you know, 
past this. So just psych yourself up for that and tell yourself, I need to be ready either way it goes, whether I'm in my room with my kids or at home doing it virtually. And I like your analogy of it's going to be a roller coaster year because we all know, um, I know with my kids on the first time ever on like the Mamba out at Worlds of Fun and this giant <laughs> roller coaster, yep. they were so afraid and so nervous. And then we got to that first big drop and they were terrified. <laughs> and then by the time we got around the gate to to get off the, the roller coaster, um, two of my kids wanted to go immediately and get back on it. And mm-hmm. the, the, and my, my third kid said, absolutely not. I'm never getting on that again. <laughs> yeah. Which is, yep. Yep. Yeah. So, so and, you know, we're getting on this roller coaster blindfolded. We have no <laughs> idea where the mountains and valleys are going to be. So we just have to kind of tell ourselves that we're going to prepare no matter what comes. Um, okay. It's, so how do they prepare for that? What is one of the things? So I think the very first thing to do is to set goals. And I think you really need to take some time to do that. And really don't be skimpy in your goals. Don't be stingy in your goals. But set some really powerful goals uh, for yourself and for your students and what you want them to accomplish. Um, don't lower the bar. Don't, don't think you know, we're going through this. And so I'm just going to bring it way down. Um, I'd say lift it up, lift the bar. Because even though while we know that the social emotional needs of our students are at an all time high, um, we also know that sometimes having something to put your mind to that learning and working through things can be a great distraction when you have personal uh, stress. I know it's true for me. The days that I'm sitting in my office here at home and working and really focusing on things, it kind of puts those other issues away. And it's the same for for kids. If they can really dig into something, it can be powerful. So set goals, have high aspirations, um, and think about all the different areas that you can set goals for. You can set academic goals. You can set grading goals. You can set reflection goals. Um, physical activity goals, nutritional goals, social goals, all of those areas of your life and their life can have goals. And Mm -hmm. part of what you want to set a goal for is how are you going to help them to set their own goals? Because that will also help them. And then take your goals and write them in Sharpie on a big piece of paper and post them where you can't ignore them. Yeah. So put them right in front of you. And when I like that. And, you know, I have to say that, that, you know, when you were talking about like, the the fact that you know they're going to have a lot of part parts of Maslow sec- their security their safety yeah you know and you know I had a discussion this week with one of my uh, teacher buddies who was saying hey we got to do both Maslow and Bloom right yeah and um, and I and I don't know how I feel about that but you know what Kat what what I hear you saying and I you know maybe you can go a little bit deeper into this is um, if you've if you've got you, you're, you might have to, as a teacher, teach those kids how to get out of the, uh, the, the problems that are around them all every day that they're facing with this, with COVID and with this, you know, uh, just what's going on at home. They're going to have to get out of that mm-hmm. and get into that, that subject and that content and that learning 
that you want them to do. So you're going to have to teach them how to do that because some of them don't yep. know, right? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And help them to understand that. I mean, help them to experience it, which I think is the best way to, to gain understanding is to actually go through it. And um, I, I think of classes that I taught where at the end of the, the class period, students would say, oh my gosh, that's the end of class. My brain hurts. And I'd be like, that's awesome. That means you were so engrossed in what you were doing that the time flew by and you were thinking really deeply. Um, mm -hmm. And all those other issues that kids have and adults have just kind of flow away, at least for a short time, which is a relief and a release. Mm -hmm. So set high expectations and help them learn how to work toward those on their own if they have to. Okay. So that brings us to, uh, you know, how are you going to get through all your curriculum? Yeah. And we can't think of review. It's, you know, kids do not want to go into a school year being thrown stuff that they learned already. You have to meet your kids where they're at and move them forward. And I know that's super hard. And I had to do it too as a teacher. I mean, happened every year. Some kids come in at all different levels and in all different places. But if you say, well, we're just going to do what we've done already, that's not learning. Um, so instead, you want to give them something new to, to grasp and grab and and think about and muddle over and you want to dive into that new material. And so to determine, you want to take your power standards. You want to take your mm -hmm. standards that you have for your grade level or your subject area. And you want to think what is most important for my students to learn. And then you want to dive into that. And if they have gaps from their previous learning, then you're going to build that into that unit of study. Um, it may require some assessment along the way, some uh, formative assessment to determine, you know, where are we missing things? And you can, you can always, you know, hold that kid up. You can help them out. You can give them some um, mini lessons. You can put them into groups and you can even do that virtually. Um, you can, you yeah. don't have to send the same packet home to every kid. It's a lot easier. I understand that. But you can add some things in. You can do some little extra virtual meetings online if that's accessible for you and your students. But find different ways to, to hold those kids up to give them that background without holding them back. So I think there's a right. big difference in those, those two things. But use some great teaching strategies to bring your kids um, understanding up. And they're going to do fine. I mean, we did lose a lot this year. I understand that. But to, I don't want to say let it go because they need those things, but you're going to build it in. You're not going to, you're yeah. not going to hold them back. And it kind of, it kind of goes back to like when you've got students who are on 504s or on IEPs, you know, that have kind of, a, you know, sure. individual educational, you know, that that you are really, you really should be focusing on those power standards with them. Now you're just doing it across the board with kids yeah. if you're, if you're out of school or doing that learning. So it's, it's not something that teachers have. Exactly done right. Exactly right. And differentiation we know is 
a huge thing. And keep in mind, differentiation doesn't mean you have to create 30 different lesson plans. It means you say, okay, I've got a group that needs this, and I've got a group that needs this, and I've got a group that needs this. And I'm just going to put that all into the lesson, and everybody's going to find what they need there. So um, yeah. there are so many great resources out right now about differentiation. And we might circle back to that later in this conversation. So the next thing that okay. I would come up with, my number five tip would be to write carefully worded student and parent friendly learning targets and put them on everything, everything. If okay. you develop any lesson materials that kids are going to see, see online or see on paper, make sure there's a learning target on it. Make it really, really extraordinarily clear to those students and to their parents what are we doing this for? What is our what is our focus here? What is our learning? What are we trying to do? Um, it's going to give them a clear roadmap about um, exactly where they're supposed to be going with this, and that helps them to find. Um, just being just telling them the target might not be enough. You need to keep that in the forefront, um, but you're also going to write with that some clarifying statements so that they have a very clear picture of exactly what it is they're trying to work for. So you have a standard, maybe a third grade math standard, develop understanding of fractions as numbers. Um, so you might write. Yeah, which means nothing to parents. Or, and or kids, kids are they right? like, I what mean, do you mean? Of course, a fraction is made out of numbers, you know, but you might turn that around right. and say, I can explain what a fraction means and I can use a fraction to describe how much or how many I have. Um, that makes it more clear. That would be a nice learning target. And then you could put bullet points under that um, to say, you know, you can, you can find two fractions that equal each other. You can explain what the numerator means and what the denominator means. So you can, you can um, clarify that with those extra statements. But that learning target, if parents know, they can help the kids at home so much better because they're like, okay, I see where we're going with this. Right, right. I love that because it's it's a checklist. It, it is exactly what you said in number four about the uh, about incorporating the other standards into your power standards because you know the power standards the bigger picture, but the other the smaller standards are. Can I do a, a new? Do I know what a numerator and a mm -hmm. denominator are? Do I know how what fractions equal each other? You know, mm -hmm. I love that. That's right. Perfect. Then the parents know where to aim if they're helping them at home. And that doesn't matter if you're doing virtual learning or in-class learning. It's the same thing. Whether you're in school or at home, kids need to know what's my goal. Where am I going with this? What am I supposed to be doing? What is my work supposed to look like? Which leads to my tip number six. Take your learning strategies and your learning, excuse me, your learning targets and your clarifying statements and give them examples of weak to strong work. I think a lot of times teachers show students an exemplar, you know, like, hey, this would be, this is perfect. This is great. But students don't understand, well, how do I tell where I am along that learning continuum? So if you can show them weak work, a little bit stronger work proficient work and then really strong work that might be more than proficient, 
then they can compare. This is what I'm doing. And this is what I see in the examples. Oh, I see where I'm at. I'm kind of in the middle somewhere. I still have some work to do. Um, for example, I can explain some fr why some fractions equal one. Um, I can explain what the numerator and denominator mean. You're going to have all these different examples along the road that show, well, you can do some of these things, but you can't do all of these things. Maybe they're messing up the greater than less than signs that they're getting them backwards. And that, so that's what their problem is. Well, that's going to be some step along the way. If the student and the parents can look at these examples of things from weak work to strong work, they can tell what's missing. They can tell... Um, what they need to do next. I think that one thing I would miss most about being um, remote from my students is I couldn't lean over their shoulders. I think I would really miss yeah. that. And so giving parents the tools that they need to be able to lean over their students, their, their child's shoulder and know, Hey, this is, let's look at this. Let's compare your work to these examples your teacher sent and I can see that I think you match up to this one which means that you're not quite there yet and let's decide what you're doing wrong so I think you know parents don't always know well what level is my kid supposed to be at you know how much are they supposed right. to be able to do with this at this point you know they're in third grade I don't know how much about fractions they're supposed to know you know, so some parents will try to take it too far and they're trying to make them do, you know, like, I don't know, algebraic fractions. But other parents would be like, as long as you can tell me what a half is, I think that's enough. So they need they mm -hmm. need to have those examples there so they can see, you know, where should you be at this point in your educational life and learning? And it changes the whole dynamic between teacher and parent and yeah. student. Uh, in the in the conversations because uh and it goes right back to your third thing which is setting goals those kids can set yes. goals then and say you know i i want to be all the way up here at this but but right now i'm i'm down here to at a two and i want to be up right here right uh, so it, and it gives them the steps to do it so i love yeah. that and I, I you know the examples don't need to be some huge gigantic thing i think a teacher could um, make up some examples of, you know, weak to strong work and reduce them so that you could get the four examples from weak to strong on one side of a piece of paper that you're going to send home. Yeah. I mean, if you, right. if your students are able to access things online, it's a little easier because you can put maybe more examples or more complete examples, but I don't think that matters. I think you could put four on a piece of paper and they'd get a lot of information from that. So, yeah. At this point, you've decided your power standards, you've written learning targets based on those power standards, you've written clarifying sta statements to go with those, which are probably gathered. Some of those clarifying statements are going to be gathered from the supporting standards, by the way. And then you've created some examples of weak to strong work, which is going to help with parents giving feedback. And by the way, it's going to help the teachers to give feedback too. If you've got all that lined up, out and you're trying to give feedback to your students, it's super clear to you what you, you want to say about, hey, this is what you're doing right and this is what you need to work mm -hmm. on. It just helps everybody. So now that you've done those things, uh, tip number eight is just to create some fantastic learning experiences. And, you know, 
Think about those learning targets. Think about those clarifying statements. Now, how can you give your students the most valuable experiences possible to help them grow to understand and internalize those topics? So can you build some differentiation into those lessons? Um, can you determine some alternatives to those experiences in case th they do move to at-home experiences? And uh, alternately, can you take some of those home experiences that you found are awesome? I mean, we, we've been seeing all kinds of amazing projects kids have been doing at home and videos and cooking things and just, um, you know, awesome stuff. Can you take some of those experiences that you've learned about now and move those into being at school experiences? So maybe fractions at home had become sharing a pizza or a cookie or whatever. And maybe that translate into some things that you can do at school that you hadn't done before. Or maybe at home, um, they were videoing a news report on how they could share the cookie with different numbers of people. And maybe they could still do that at home as, or at school as a project. So I think that there may be some really positive learning experiences that have come out of this time that we, wanna, we don't want to lose. We want to hang on to. Mm -hmm. So uh, what's your next... Uh, uh... For, I think the next clue where I'm going to move away a bit from curriculum to you need to learn on your own. I mean, just give yourself some time. And I know that's a, a big, pretty blank whiteboard statement, but here's the deal. If you already have all the answers to how to do all this, then, oh my gosh, don't learn, write a book and make a million. Um, now is a great time to seek out new information and new ideas. So it might come in the form of collaboration with, with some colleagues. It might, um, maybe you need to hear some different voices. I mean, you're listening to this podcast crazy enough that you're listening to me, but think about, you know, what's your favorite thing to teach or better yet, maybe what's your least favorite thing to teach and then go out and read some books, read some blogs, listen to some podcasts, um, find some online site that, that you've been thinking about. Oh, maybe I should look into that website and figure it out and see if it would be useful. Now's the time to do that when you have summer and you can sit down for a little time, maybe, you know, maybe it's two hours a week, you know, maybe it's one hour a week, whatever it is, sit down and spend a little time learning on your own. Because as, as teachers and as adults, as parents, we're learners and we want to show our kids that we're still learning mm -hmm. too. So tip number eight goes kind of along with that, which is to consider what was actually better in the virtual environment. So some teachers are saying that, you know, there's actually things about this that I like. And if you're finding things about this that you like, it's okay. That's great. But now what are you going to do with it? Take it and learn from it and say, okay, I figured out that this was really helpful to me. This was really useful for my students. I'm going to bring that into my classroom or I'm going to bring it into the next school year of kids doing some of these things at home with their parents that we found to be really beneficial. Um, and there's all kinds of different things that parents, that, that students and teachers and parents are loving about this. So I, f I think that sometimes yeah. people feel bad about that. Like there sh shouldn't be anything about this that I like. 
And no, it's a completely new experience. And so hopefully there will be some bonuses coming. Let's use those bonuses. Um, So think about that as you go ahead. Tip number nine is to clean house, which is kind of on the other side of that spectrum. Bring into this the great things that you're learning from this experience. And now's a great time to let go of some things. You have that project that you've done every year. And the main thing that you can think of, the main reason that you do that project is because the kids have so much fun. Well, if your goal is for the kids to have fun because it's time for a break, and you know, I get that. Sometimes we all need that. But if the goal is learning, then that project might be a huge time waster. Do they really need to build the diorama? Okay. Is it, is it really going to help them to understand pioneer life or is it just fun? So think hard about some of those things that you do and keep in mind how precious we've learned that school time is. And let's really make sure that we're doing those things that truly get us the most bang for our buck. You know, so that when we are at school, we're getting the most we can out of it. So clean house. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, that's good advice. My final so tip, your number final 10, tip, what it, is what just you accept that some of your usual rituals may not happen. So especially at the beginning of next year, if you've got that wonderful first day of school activity that you always do to help you get to know your students, that just might not happen. You may have to adjust it. You may have to lose it and do something else, but that's okay. Just figure out something else. Have fun with it. Be ridiculous. It's a one-off. So, you know, just go for it and find something else that could be really fun, really different, really unique, and, you know, right? Just dance with it and enjoy it. Yeah. And that's that, yeah, that brings you all the way back to your first and second points, which, uh, you know, that, that that's give yourself a break on this. You know, there is going to be change. You're not going to be ready for it, but also yeah. suck yourself up, be ready, you know, like be, be engaged, be, you know, I, I have, I've come to believe that there are so many people out there that have worried about change, but change is inevitable. It's always going to happen. And you know what? It's, uh, they're they're yeah. excelling with it right now. I mean, people are doing doing what they need to do. So I think they get, have to give themselves absolutely, some credit absolutely. So and you know, every parent I talk to says they are amazed with the job teachers are doing. That it's just been, you know, spectacular. Spectacular how school districts and teachers and principals have all just risen to the challenge and provided so much help for parents at home. And I think we've all seen the huge appreciation mm-hmm. that parents now have for teachers, which that's a nice little bonus. <laughs> we were all ready for that, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, Kat Nik- Niklas, thank you so much for uh, bringing us these tips today. And uh, I hope people enjoy them and, and use them for getting have a ready great for summer, next year. Everybody. Bye, Brett. All right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Heartland Teaching Podcast, sponsored by the UMKC Regional Professional Development Center at Union Station. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button so that future podcasts will be made available to you at the touch of your podcast button. Please feel free to leave your comments on this podcast or register for one of our events by clicking the link 
on the Attached Podcast. We hope that we see you soon.